does that mean? It's Soap Sunday. Every Soap Sunday, you have an opportunity to, to share what God is doing in your life, what, how God is speaking to you in your own personal devotions. And so who would like to, this morning, be the first one to share a soap? <laughs> I know you were holding back just to give somebody else an opportunity. to bump people out I mean you know God you know you know you can do this right if I can do it you can do it yep. uh, <laughs> I'm uh, my verse is King second Kings 13 14 through 19 and then adding 25 um, if you email me my email address is arrow of God 777 at gmail and it came from this verse. We actually use this verse. We actually memorized this verse uh, in, a, in a Bible school that I was in a while back. And so this one's meaning a lot to me, especially in the light of some things that I've been going through recently. It says, now Elisha had become sick with the illness by which he di would die. Uh, I'll talk about that on another day because that one messes with my head. <laughs> Elisha is one of the most powerful people on the earth. And here he is having a sickness by which he would die. And Joash the king of Israel came down to him and wept over him and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. And so he took a bow and arrows. Now the background on this is Syria is oppressing Israel and for a long time. And so they're, in, they're kind of in a mess. And so he said, Elisha says to him, take the bow and the arrows. So he took a bow and an arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window to the east. And he opened it. Then it, Elisha says, shoot. And he shot. And Elisha said, the Lord, Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, which is Syria. For you will strike the Arameans, uh, Arameans? <laughs> in Aphek until you have destroyed it. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground, and he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him, and he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. And if you skip down to verse 25, it says, um, then Jehosh, or Joash, the son of, I'm not even going to try that name, recovered from uh, Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazal, the cities which he had taken from uh, his father by, <laughs> by war. Three times Joash defeated Ben-Hadad and recovered the cities of Israel. The, the first part of the verse said he would have destroyed Aram. So he should have kept striking, okay? Um, so here's the observation. Uh, if Joash had prophetically struck the ground five or six times, the enemy would have been completely destroyed. In other words, probably Israel would have been completely freed. As it was, he did defeat them and took back some cities three times. 
Um, here's an application. The reason this one came up is God was trying to encourage me. <laughs> uh, some of you I wanted to thank very much. And about the last four weeks, I've been having some struggles with my faith because I had uh, more bad news about the cancer. And yet, God is so, so completely good. Um, so I've been in transition. Actually, had a substitute oncologist, and he was the first oncologist since I've been dealing with cancer to look me in the eye. And he says, "You know, you can't be cured of this cancer." He was the first one. My other oncologist didn't do that. They were filling with me with hope. He's in sub, and he didn't know me, and that's what he said. And it's the first time that in my medical notes it says it's stage four. Okay, so I was wrestling back then. I sent out an email to my buddies, and it helped. <laughs> you guys helped me. I got through that one. And then yesterday, no, it was Friday, went back. It's a different, different sub. And we hadn't seen the results of the CT I had about uh, five weeks ago, I think it was, because it was from a different location than uh, the province system. And it came back that, yeah, they're growing, and I have a new one. <laughs> okay, so... I love this new guy that I met on Friday because he was very upbeat. He says, okay, here's the good news. It's slow growing. Here's the good news. There's new music. There's new uh, medicine out there that's actually better than the one you're on. So here we've got this whole plan going now. And he says, you know, just hang in there. It's going to be fine, right? So um, what I did, the Holy Spirit... I, I kind of just spent yesterday going through a whole lot, bunch of things, and the Holy Spirit gave me that um, that scripture just to encourage me, and it helped. He also gave me uh, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hung on the tree. And you and I know when he took, when he was in Gethsemane, you know, just, uh, he was so stressed. Actually, I think it was an attack of the enemy. He was so stressed that it was bleeding blood. Holy Spirit came. He sent angels to help him. And he shed blood for the anxiety, for the stress, for the fear. He took all of those stripes on his back for our healing. It's based out of Isaiah 53, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for iniquities. The chastisement for my peace is upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. And then he took the cross for everything else, every sin, transgression, every sickness, every disease, everything that has ever gone wrong in your life. He took all that to the cross, and that's what I'm hanging on to. <laughs> so, um, and then Ms. Mickey prayed for me last night, and I think something changed. I really honestly do. I, I really feel like this morning that I can believe God for everything. I got a lot of stuff that needs to get healed, so <laughs> I'm going for the whole meal deal. And my new phrase is, I'm going to go big, and I'm not going to go home until Jesus says it's time to go home, okay? I'm okay with going home, but it's got to be when he says this. It's not when the disease dictates. So um, let's go ahead and pray. I would like to pray for you, too, that whatever you're facing, the blood Jesus the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, took that all to the cross. Lord God, I may you give us your faith, your power, your courage, and your revelation to continually strike the ground until we break through in every area. 
I declare that God has given us Jesus Christ who defeated sin, transgression, iniquity, sickness, disease, infirmity, poverty, danger, and attack from the enemy. It is finished. And let the kingdom of God fully manifest in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We agree with you, too, in the name of Jesus. Who else has a soap that they would like to share this morning? Come on. Is that you, Dave? Come on. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Simple way to allow the Word of God to go deeper in our lives. Morning, everyone. I'm Dave. So I went back and titled this, We Are Controlled by Choice. And the scripture in the Amplified Version, if we have that, is Romans 8, 5. I'll go ahead and read this. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Observation. Something controls me. The Holy Spirit or the flesh. There's no middle ground. There's nothing else in that verse that uh, would give uh, our minds to that. Application. We get to choose between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. No one else chooses but us. And the prayer. Jesus, what controls me? Am I controlled by the flesh or the Spirit of God? Is it the lust of the eye? flesh or the pride of life in me. I suspect at times there are a mix of these in my life. Help me. Jesus, give me perspective of the spirit that serves you, Lord. Let me embrace the Holy Spirit more and more. Let us become immediate friends. Let us enjoy one another. Let us walk together at all times. Holy Spirit, what do you desire for us to do today? Where should we go, and what should we say? We could even talk to each other. Holy Spirit, listen. Or, excuse me. Holy Spirit, let me listen when you speak. I know you speak for the Father. You know me intimately. Let me know the, the Father like that. Let me gratify you. Guide us, Lord, to our relationship with you. Amen. All right. I'm encouraged so far. How about you? How many are going to choose the Holy Spirit over the flesh? Wow. So lots of hands. This is good. Anybody else have a soap to share? Come on. Excelente. Thank you. Okay. Um, my verse today is James 4, 7. And... I'm actually going to read it in a couple different translations because 
um, they have slightly different variations that I find meaningful. So in the ESV, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The New Living Translation says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the Message Translation says, So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud noise to the devil, a loud no to the devil, sorry, and watch him scamper. <laughs> I like that, right? So I was very familiar with this verse, but um, I hadn't really considered um, more about what submit means. Like submit, I just think of, oh, just obeying God, right? If God tells you to do something, do it, right? Um, and I think before I didn't really go a lot deeper than that. Um, and, and I believe this connects to part of Pastor Dave's message last week of, you know, all of heaven and hell is vying for your agreement. Who are you going to agree with, with the different aspects of your life? And the new insight that I gained as I was meditating on some of this is that um, submission has to do with coming into alignment with everything God says in his word, not just for you personally, but about his kingdom about life in general, about what is true, what is right, what is good. And so when we are failing to submit to something, um, let's say we're holding on to bitterness against someone, and we feel like we're justified because that person really wronged us. And the wounding is real. The r what was wrong was real, but we justify it. Well, then we're, we're not submitting to God in that area in our lives. And when we do that, we leave an open door to the enemy. Um, we leave a way for him to influence us. Um, we, we allow, we are agreeing with the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of heaven. And so it, a lot of times people will take a part of a verse out of context or not fully understand it. And I've heard over the years a lot of people say, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, that's only partially true. You have to first submit. See, that comes first. That's removing the legal access that the enemy has or the influence over his life. You first submit, and then you resist, or you give him your loud no, and then he must flee from you. So I guess that's kind of like all of the soap components mixed up there a little bit. <laughs> so my prayer is that um, in this new year, we would all gain new levels of freedom, of insight, and of healing in him through learning more and more at deeper levels what this submission is and what it looks like in application in each of our lives. Well, that, that is so true. I've heard many people quote that, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But that's not the whole verse, is it? Because we have to be under God's authority to walk in authority. Who else has a soap to share with us this morning? Come. Yeah, I noticed that. All right. I had two things, but I, the Lord said, no, that, that's my, your daughter's soap. She had a really cool thing happen concerning God and, and um, Genesis. But anyway, mine actually, the Lord's had me go back around and around and around. Um, I've been reading 
all the epistles since the beginning of the year. And um, so I'm on Ephesians 4, 1. Therefore, I, it says first, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul, I appeal to you, beg you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called, which be with behavior that is a credit to the summons of God's service. So this is in the amplified version. I in the others, it just goes, it's very short, and it's like, it doesn't get to the meat of what's going on. So um, my observation is, um, I realize the next part's really, really important, and it goes with what um, Stacy was sharing about submitting. It goes about humbling and all this other part. But the, this part is about, Ephesians 1 is talking about our character and those who are um, be new creations in Christ Jesus, we're the called out ones. We are not, in, in Paul's time in Rome, we are not to be like the Romans. We are to become like Christ. And we are to follow him. I mean, it's so cool how all the epistles show what the character that you're supposed to become looks like. Even what you're to think on, I was thinking when she talked about what you're supposed to think on. He tells us in Philippians 4 what we're supposed to be thinking on. He gives us a guide completely of what it looks like. Oh, darn it. What it looks like to live um, the behavior of living in, in, in as, a, as a son of God. You are all now... If you've received Jesus as your Savior and are born again, are sons of God, what does that look like? Does it look like the world? No. This is my observation. How much of the church is looking like the world? Are, we're not supposed to look like. How are we going to be lights? How are they going to know the difference? You know, um, I, I think this is where God's like, now come on, you guys. Things are changing, and, and we're changing. This is, this is the cool part. That's, the observation is we're not to be doing that. We're not to be like the world. And we're to help kids learn not to be like the world, but not be. Um, I remember, <laughs> this is just my, my life, um, thinking that it was weird because um, my parents were part of the charismatic movement. So during the charismatic movement, it's not like a re it's not like this it's not like what I've experienced. The charismatic movement actually was like Holy Spirit like you read in other books. The Holy Spirit comes in and he moves you and you can't have enough of him. And and you will go every single night to another meeting. Imagine being 9. So, um, but that's what it looks like. It moves. It's a, it's quite something to watch. It's as an, an as an observer, that wasn't. They were trying to pull, you know, as a nine-year-old and ten-year-old and ugh, thirteen, you know, um, you're resisting everything. But yet, they were doing this. The Lord was bringing them out of the culture of the world, 
and actually out of the culture of the family that they, you know, it says in the word somewhere that it says that um, um, we're to, to leave our mother and our father and everybody else to follow him. But that's similar. You have another culture you're leaving because you're becoming like Christ. I remember what that kind of looked like, and it was hard on them. But it's not to be an easy life. But it is to be a bright light so that other people who see that you're standing still on what you are doing, um, you're following the Lord, and, and it, you have peace, and you continue to have light, and the Lord keeps blessing you, and he, he, offer, he provides all your needs. He heals you. He does all these things. Your family's watching. Your, um, your, your community is watching. So if the, if the church isn't being different, if we're not becoming and being different, living um, a pure life, living a holy life, saying what God is saying, not agreeing and saying with what the world is saying, but what God says, what does God say about those situations? Did you seek the Lord to find out? That's, that's what that means. This is, to me, this is what this means. Are you, are you doing all of those things? Um, are you conforming? Which is, you know, um, um, I don't remember where that is. <laughs> anyway, so that's, the, that's my observation. Um, application. Lord, uh, application in, is an AP here. <laughs> because only the Lord can bring the application into our life. It's, it's based on submission. It's exactly what Stacy was saying. Submit to the Lord. In all things, submit to the Lord. He changes everything. He will become the kings that he calls you to come into. You have royalty. You have authority, just as Pastor Dave was saying. But you have to submit to the Lord. It's in the submission to the Lord that brings you to sit at his right hand with Jesus. It's what he says we are, to have authority over the enemy. And so as you are sitting there, you are to have authority. You are to stop things. You're supposed to stop the devil. Jesus said, I'm finished. You do it. So he told everybody to do. You do it. So we have to learn to be who we are, learn who we are. So, Lord, I thank you that you give us the opportunity to become your sons and your daughters. And in that comes great responsibility and authority. And so, Father, I thank you that you have bestowed it upon us and that you give us through the Holy Spirit, step by step, um, glory through glory, more and more understanding and enlightenment of who you who we are now in Christ Jesus. I ask Father for um, that you would move us to um, become the culture that you want us to be, the culture of Jesus Christ here on earth. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, when we, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are praying for the culture of heaven to be manifest in the earth. So be it. Who else has a soap to share today?
as you guys know, I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing. You, you hear what's going on in my life every Sunday, or in the sense of I'm pouring out my heart to you. But uh, what, how, what has God been speaking to you about? Anybody? You're coming up here, aren't you? Did I, did I do something wrong again? Maybe make it easy on the peeps back there. Okay, so I totally forgot it was Soap Sunday, and I left my notes at home. So this is a bit of a winging it situation. Um, looking at Genesis 11, 5 through 7, and I'm NLT version. Uh, it says, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. So, you know, obviously this is the Tower of Babel, and God said, you guys are focused on the wrong thing, and that's not a great idea. But what he talked to me about when I was reading this is flipping it. What does this mean for a united people? What is he saying about a united people? And um, there is, I don't know whether to call it chaos, um, in the church today surrounding so many controversial topics, and so many churches are not standing on the word of God. And for me, my automatic response to that is very fleshy, and I get ticked off because it makes God look bad, and I don't like that. But if I take a moment and I step back from that, um, God is like, we need to pray for unity in the church. In the, and I don't mean buildings. I mean, like, in the body of Christ. And, you know, we can't guarantee that every church is going to decide to stand on the word of God. And I get that. Um, but there has to be a unification of the church that is standing on the word of God. Uh, I believe God is calling us to that. And God is calling us to that because so many people are being led astray by churches not standing on the truth. And as we, as the body of Christ, so that means bringing other churches and other bodies of Christ, unifying together, and I don't know what that looks like, but as we do that, there is so much power in that. And that the scripture proves it. They're like, man, we need to confuse these people. They're, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, that's a powerful statement to hear God say about a united people. And so God just really convicted me about praying for the body of Christ to be in unification, standing on truth, and um, really, you know, yeah, we may have a little bit doctrinal piece that's different than over here, but we've really got a good, strong foundational thing that we can share and partner with other people in the body of Christ that aren't in this church. And so um, I think that's what God is calling us to do, to pray that and um, pray that for ourselves and um, find people that can come alongside of us and, and, and to just do the work of God together, united. Um, so that was my observation. 
and my application. And so we're going to pray. Okay. Lord, I just pray that as we continue to focus on you, lift our eyes up, have our perspective be on you, as we look at things in this world that can affect us so greatly, Lord, that you stop that and you give us um, great dreams and expectation of what you have for us next as the body of Christ. Lord, I just pray for new relationships to develop in the body of Christ, not just in this church, that would unify the Walla Walla Valley, that would unify Washington State, that would unify our country. I pray that your overwhelming love and goodness would flow out of all parts of our life, even if life isn't pretty. Uh, I just pray that those things would reign in our lives. And so, Lord, I just give everything to you. I pray just for unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, good stuff today, huh? There, there, there is a culture war that is happening and, and trying to affect the church. And see, if we as believers aren't solidly founded on the word of God, <clears throat> we, we draw our, our value system from the word of God. We believe that God is the creator of all things. And he's the only one that can really determine what's right and what's wrong. That's not a, a, a democratic vote thing. Whatever God says goes. Because heaven and earth will pass away, and all the philosophies and all the ideas of man will pass away. But the word of God abides forever. Who else has a soap to share today? Okay. I never want to miss anybody because I, I think this is a real important time for us as a spiritual family. Um, <clears throat> because I've got so much time, I'm going to take a little liberty today. Is that okay? What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world take you and shape you and mold you into what it says is right and wrong, good or bad. We know in Isaiah, the, the Bible talks about a day when they will call good evil and evil good. And we have lived, John, we've lived long enough to experience that. Can you imagine? Uh, the only way to know for sure what the will of God is, is to have a renewed mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And see, if we don't, am I doing something wrong, Sarah? I, th I think I did. Here it is. Yeah. 
and pick up 12 baskets full. See, if I'm not solidly grounded in the word, then I'm going to be influenced by the, the culture that I live in. And, and I'm going to... <laughs> I, I sense some competition in the preaching this morning. You know, she's always coming up dealing with me. I'm going to have to go back there and deal with her pretty quick. But it's only as I am renewed by the word of God that I can really know what God's will is. And if I'm not, then, then I, can, I will be in confusion. You know, I, I will say things like, uh, <clears throat> well, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And yeah, I think it's a woman's right to abort their babies. That's ridiculous. It's not about a woman's right. It's about the right of an unborn child. It's about what God gives life to. And, and see, as long as we're grounded in the word, then we see things from that kind of a perspective. My soap comes out of a, one of the scriptures that I read last Sunday. Uh, I, I've been meditating on it. And it's John 8, 31 and 32. I, I think it's such a powerful portion of scripture that Jesus is sharing. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, as you live in the word of God, the word of God gets inside of you, and that truth gets into that deep place inside of you, and you know that you know that you know. And that, that, that intimacy with truth brings a freedom or a liberty to your life. It, the, the truth becomes a liberating force in your life. Anyway, I was, I was meditating on that, and it, it brought me to the verses that I want to share with you this morning uh, for my soap. It's John 15, Verses 7 and 8. If I was going to title this soap, I would title it Taking the Word of God from a Discipline into a Life Rhythm. Into a, a, a pattern uh, that, that flows in my life all the time, every day. So let me read these verses, John 15, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, if you abide in me <clears throat> and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. So what kind of fruit is he talking about there? Not a rhetorical question. You can answer. What kind of fruit is he talking about there? What kind? Spirit fruit. Let, let me read another verse in the same chapter and, and think, what, what kind of fruit is he talking about? 
This is John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What kind of fruit is he talking about there? What? The word. What he's talking about is the fruit of answered prayer. Now, in, in John chapter 15, the, the whole chapter really is about bearing fruit. You know, Jesus says, I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You're the branches. If, you, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you will bear a lot of fruit. Now, he doesn't... Who doesn't want to be fruitful? Who doesn't want to be fruitful? Nobody. We all want to be fruitful. But, but see, all kinds of different ideas can come into our mind with, with the words bear much fruit. Well, what kind of fruit is he talking about? Is it the character and nature of Jesus Christ that we often refer to as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc.? Or is it the fruitfulness of, of sharing our faith with others, letting God use us to reproduce the work he has done in us, in others? What kind of fruit is he talking about? We know what kind of fruit an apple tree bears. It's always apples. We know what kind of fruit a pear tree grows. It's always pears. But what kind of fruit is supposed to grow on a Christian. But see, when we get to verses 6 and 7, my, my soap verses for today, he begins to define this fruit very specifically. All of a sudden, there is no question about what kind of fruit or what this fruit looks like. Let me read it one more time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So my observation is that Jesus wants us to experience the fruit of answered prayer. In fact, it glorifies the Father. It brings glory to the Father when our prayers are answered. Now, in this verse, he defines answered prayers as bearing fruit, so you will be my disciples. This kind of fruit bearing is a mark of a true disciple. Now, Jesus also defines the requirement for us to live in this place of answered prayer or, or bearing prayer fruit. He says, if you abide in me, that, that speaks of fellowship, prayer, intimacy. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Actually, let me just say it differently, okay? If you hang out with me and my word gets down inside of you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you hang out with me and my words get inside of you, See, it's not just a surface understanding of the word. Never settle for a surface understanding of God's word. Never settle for just acquiring information. 
It's an intimacy with Jesus and his word that comes out of fellowship. So this is my application. There are certain rhythms that, that I've tried to establish in my life. How many of you have morning rhythms? Things that you do every morning. How many of you brush your teeth every morning? Some of you. Okay. We need to work on that one. How many of you comb your hair every morning? Okay, Rick, Rick's... Rick? Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> he lifted his hand higher than anybody. How many of you have a cup of coffee every morning? Now, now this one is really important. How many of you get dressed before you leave the house? You know, and, and when something becomes a morning rhythm, it's not work. It's not, it's not difficult. It requires no discipline because it's actually become a rhythm. It's become part of what you do. It's, it's like uh, to not brush my teeth, to not comb my hair would be like not putting all my clothes on. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it's part of what you do. So when I was a pretty new Christian, I was introduced by my pastor to this idea of reading the Bible every year. And, and he encouraged every one of us in the church to do it. We had this little chart that opened up, and you could look up whatever day it was, and you could see the reading for that day. It's usually a little Old Testament and some New Testament. And, and I would just mark it off every day after I read it. And so I started doing that, and I thought, at first I thought, let me say this. If I don't do that, there are just certain places in the Bible that I will read, because I like those places. But I'm not getting the whole counsel of God. I'm not being exposed to all of it. And so I started doing that, and, and then, then I, I discovered this Bible reading plan. It's called the Life Journal Plan that takes you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And I thought, man, I really like this. I, I really like being exposed to all of this in, in such a way that, that I'm, I'm, every year I, I'm just going through it systematically. I'm always in Genesis in the month of January. And you'll notice that I'll often preach out of Genesis in the month of January. Now, now, when we were doing this, when we first started doing this years ago as a church, what was so cool about it was that we, we, always, we were all reading the same thing on the same day. And you would get together with somebody for coffee or something, and you just read the, the same place in the Bible. You could talk about it. I mean, it was, it was amazing. You know, it was fresh for everyone. But at a certain point, I realized that this still is not enough for me. This is not enough. And, and that's where the concept of soaping really attracted me. Because every day, you know, when I would read my Bible, there was always a verse or a couple of verses that God would highlight to me. So I began to take that verse, I'd write it on a three by five card, and I'd, I would take it into the day with me, 
and I would periodically pull it out and read it. Oftentimes, just by that exposure, I, I could memorize that verse and think about it even when, when I don't, haven't, didn't have it pulled out and looking at it. Now, it's interesting how doing that may require a lot of effort when you first start doing lots of discipline, but eventually it just becomes like a natural rhythm in your life. As natural as putting on your clothes, as natural as the things that you normally do to prepare yourself for the day, it just becomes natural and normal because it's become a rhythm. You know, I, I like that word, rhythm. There, 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 there are certain rhythms, patterns, that we develop in our life. Now, how many of you know there, there, are, there, are, not just, there are not just good habits, there are bad habits? Any of you know that? Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you, Misty. I'm thinking, wow, nobody knows. Nobody knows but Misty and I. But yeah, you know... Uh, we can, we can develop a bad habit, and it can become a rhythm in our life, too. Something that will, will have a negative impact on our lives. But we can also develop patterns that are life-giving, that, that are healthy. And, and see, when it, it, it may take work at first, because I'm not used to doing this, and it's so easy to, to do something else. Uh, but, but as you discipline yourself initially... After a while, it's just natural and normal. Wow, well, I'm, I'm trying to make this message long. I don't think I can make it any longer. <laughs> um, in fact, let, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Let, let me uh, share my prayer with you. I find it really encouraging myself that God wants, to answer, wants me to have answered prayer as fruit in my life. That, that he, in fact, that when I, when I bear that kind of fruit, that it actually gives, gives glory to the Father. Why is that? You know, when someone comes up and shares a testimony, well, somebody prayed for me and, and I got healed. Who is glorified because of that? It's not the person that prayed for him. It's, not, it's, it's, it's always God. I, I was talking with somebody, somebody the other day about how There are so many things happening in our culture. There are so many uh, reasons why people are saying, well, I'm not going to be a Christian, or I'm not going to serve God, or I don't believe in God. God couldn't be real. And yet, a miracle changes all of that. When you pray for somebody that doesn't believe in God, and God heals their shoulder, it, it kind of like it removes all the defenses and everything that they have up. I really believe that God is calling us to have answered prayer in the form of miracles, in the form of healings, 
in the form of divine interventions that only God can do. And you know, when Jesus preached the gospel, it was always accompanied by miracles and healing. Because he didn't just preach the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom. He didn't just leave it to an intellectual understanding of something, but, but he demonstrated this, this power and authority that he was operating from. And then he invited each one of us, his children, his kids, to step into that arena with him. He said, greater works than I do, you're going to do also. Because I go to the Father. You are called to be demonstrators of the kingdom. Maybe my problem is, I'm not intellectually smart enough to intellectually argue people into God. I like shortcuts. I like things that will say, whoa, okay, maybe there is a God. How did that happen? I, I really believe God is calling us all into that. And, and as I say that, some of you might be thinking, maybe that's good for so-and-so. You know, they've got an outgoing personality, but you know, that's not me. I think God wants to surprise you. Because all of us long to see the kingdom come. All of us long to see God intervene in people's lives and, and brings transformation. We love to hear the testimonies of God's goodness. This is my prayer. Lord, thank you for your word, your wisdom, your truth. Thank you that your truth is readily available to everyone. The words of life. Help me to give it proper place in my life. Help me to extract the wisdom and your truth from your word. You desire your truth in my inward parts, in that deep place. Help me to build my life on your word. I want my perspective to come from your word. I want to have my discernment sharp because of your word. I also want to be one who prays and petitions you based on your word, based on your promises. Father, thank you for your word. It is life to me and health to all my flesh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.
watering our lives, Lord, empowering us, enabling us, refreshing us, strengthening us, Lord, allowing us to think your thoughts, to go in your strength. In Jesus' name. Could I invite the prayer teams to come and be available for people this morning? The benediction I want to give you is out of Psalm 20, verses 1 through 4. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the Lord, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you, <coughs> excuse me, may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he grant to you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. <laughs>